Any of you artists out there are going to know exactly what I'm talking about right away here. It's hard to make art with other people. Everybody ends up doing it, but it's something that you have to learn. Because especially if you're an artist who likes to be in control or you have a vision of some kind, sharing that vision isn't hard because you're sharing it. That's what you want to do. But having somebody else that has an equal share of that vision and an equal say in it means that whatever you have in your head is just going to get muddied somehow. Yet you can't trust them to take what's in your head and put it on screen. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're a filmmaker, and since we're doing a film podcast right here, I'm talking film. And we can we can look at the, the famous filmmaking duos. You've got the Coen brothers, the Nolan brothers, the Fairley brothers, the Whites brothers, the Pang brothers. Okay, let's get some sisters. Got the Efron sisters, the Wachowski sisters. And there's a lot of duos now that I'm thinking about it that are related. Why is that? It's because you can read each other's brains because you've grown up with each other. You know exactly what the other person's thinking, and that level of communication is just standard. In today's film, we have two filmmakers that we completely neglected to talk about during the actual podcast, and that's Glenn Ficarra and John Requois. Uh, I don't even know if I'm saying his name correctly, but regardless, there are a couple of filmmakers that met at Pratt and then decided to make movies together, and now they basically write and direct everything together. I, I find that astounding, and especially it's astounding to me when two people can make art together and be kind of in charge. Like, generally speaking, like whether you're a writing and directing duo like the Nolan Brothers, or whether you share that responsibility kind of depending on the film like the Coen Brothers, it's always interesting to me when it works well, especially when you're not related. And I think communication is key, which shouldn't be surprising for anybody who watched the movie that we are here to talk about today. Communication, whether it's in regards to art, or it's politics, (laughs) or it's just getting along with your fellow human being, is an extremely difficult task because we all have wants and needs and desires and if those aren't being met but we care about somebody sometimes we don't communicate that or maybe it's scary to communicate that or maybe we're so good at communicating with people because we're actually not sharing what's truly inside of us and it's the hardest when it comes to love and who better to explore the awkwardness of communication than Steve Carell? I don't know if there's anybody out there besides maybe Tina Fey who makes us comfortable being awkward. Amy Poehler, again, any, anybody from that crew. Steve is helped along by Emmy and Oscar winners, including Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, Marissa Tomei, and... Of course, the incomparable Julianne Moore. I think it's absolutely wonderful that a movie made about how we communicate about love was made by two people and not one. So everybody sit back and relax as we lead you down that primrose path of crazy, stupid love. You're adorable. No. I am sexy. 
I am R-rated sexy. Okay, I know what happens in the PG-13 version of tonight, all right? I know. It's that I get, I get really drunk, and then I pass out, and you cover me with a blanket, and you kiss me on the cheek, and nothing happens. But that's not why I'm here. I am here to bang the hot guy that hit on me at the bar. Jacob. Jacob. Are people still saying bang? Oh, I do. We are going to bang. Mm hmm? This is happening. Take off your shirt. Why? Please, will you take off your shirt? Because really? I can't stop thinking. And then you just... Okay, 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 okay. All right, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. If you could visit any planet in our solar system, which would it be? Um, definitely Earth. No, you already you already did that. It's got to be a new one. No, but you said you visit a planet. Okay. Like, I want a vacation somewhere here. I don't want to go anywhere else. You want I a just, staycation? Yeah. A universal staycation? Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm a Saturn fan. Uh, I know that's kind of... It's kind of like saying you're you like Paul uh, for the Beatles. It's just what everybody says. But everybody likes Paul. Man, he's a villain, a real mixer, and it costs you a fortune in breach of promise cases. Get on. No, straight up. Hey, can we talk about uh, DNA and uh, computer code this week? No, Sorry, I, I, I actually think I think we've gotten so many letters at this point in time. We haven't gotten them yet, but we will have gotten yeah, so many that I don't want to. I don't want to ostracize the few audience members that we had left. That they're like, okay, that was just one episode. There was be a one lot episode of, that they were yelling about robots. There's gonna be a lot of creationists that were like, "You're both wrong." <laughs> yeah, I love our strong creationist following. At us, guys. Um, Ryan, I got a question for you because uh, you didn't bring a game. I didn't bring a game, but it makes I, it sound like I I bring board games to every podcast session. <laughs> you know I, what game we should play? Is that in my closet right now? I have Trivial Pursuit Star Wars Edition. Okay. How about we save that for the Patreon? Oh, okay. That sounds okay. like something that like people who are really into us would be mm. like, oh, fuck, I want to hear them talk about Star Wars more. <laughs> but I do want to warn you, it's it came out in 2005, so it's basically all about the prequels. Damn it. Well, you're going to... Well, okay. I will only play it after we watch it again all the way through together. Sweet. Okay. Sweet, sweet. Sweet. Now... I think our audience has been with us long enough now at this point that they might want to know something more about our lives. Like we, we're we're pretty open guys, right? Um, we don't I mean, shy away. Not from... my marriage; it's closed. It's not an open one. No, but other uh, than that, it's closed for business. Emotionally, sure, sure. Okay, are you sure? Sure. No, I mean, are you sure about the whole open marriage thing? You got a big audience. Here. Sure, I'm sure. You're sure. Okay, I want to know something. We're, we're going to call this The Personals, Delilah. where I ask you a personal question. Oh, okay. Okay. Is um, it relevant to this movie? Because I feel like I wanted to ask you a lot of personal questions to contextualize the characters' plights in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has to do with this movie. Okay. Did you ever have a crush on somebody older than yourself? Like... So much older that it would have been kind of weird for everybody. Um, a crush on someone. I'm thinking a teacher, a pastor, a um, <laughs> somebody in authority, a, a, a parent that that was, you know, 
your friend's parent. I did. Okay. And I feel like a creep for admitting to this. So Good. That's what this is all about. It's got, about getting that creepy stuff off your chest. You've got to meet me. You've got to, I'm going to, I'm going to raise a creepy story and you're going to meet me with, is that, it's a poker term, right? Yeah. I see, you got to see me. Yes. Um, see me I, I'll, uh, if, if you, if you go in, I'll go in as well. Okay. I promise. In high school, I had a crush on one of the lady singers that was in our church worship band. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, How much older was she? She must have been at least in at least her early thirties. Okay, at least. And you were like sixteen. Yeah. Okay. I was definitely sixteen. Cool. Yeah. Your parents wouldn't have been happy about that. Well, she was married with kids. <laughs> I mean, so probably even more so. Exactly. And every Sunday, <laughs> I would play the drums, and I would always be watching her. <laughs> I just realized I'm like, man, I'm getting a vision from Love gotta... <laughs> Actually right now of you just sitting there like yeah. looking at her as she's singing. I was definitely the kid. How jealous of God were you? <laughs> <laughs> so much. But I was definitely the kid in Love Actually every Sunday, where I was just smiling and beaming at this beautiful woman singing. And is it any wonder that I fell in love with Sarah, who also sang in the worship band? I didn't meet her in that context, but it's like someday Sarah could be the beautiful older woman singing in the church worship band. Wait, and I'm okay, going to say so... that all you creeps in high school scoping her out, you can keep it packing, buddy. So you're saying that you were creepy. You're saying that you were like, you know, when she turned her back, you were like, mm, oh no, I was in church. Yeah, I was in church. You were handling those drumsticks rather allowed, lasciviously. I wasn't allowed to. Okay, well then it doesn't seem like it was creepy. No, but it was. It was definitely one of those things where it's like, I probably was very transparent about my my attraction to her. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a again, not in a way that some kids are in this movie. Sure, <laughs> but but I realize now it's like okay, okay, calm it down, calm, mm-hmm, calm it mm-hmm, down, buddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, you go. What you have to give me a, a, a equally uh, you know you, you want you want to know if I had uh, a crush on somebody older than me? Yeah, I had a crush on so many people who were older than me. Tell me one. Um, Aunt Tara. No, oh. I don't have an aunt, Tara. <laughs> um, Your parents are like, Kelly, no! <laughs> this is suicide! <laughs> I'm going to say... Okay, I don't know if this is even in like far enough, but there was a camp counselor when I was in 6th or 7th grade who was definitely college-aged. Um, wasn't a high schooler. Um, I, I think I even asked her her age at one point in time. I think she was ugh, 20, 21 mm. and I was in sixth grade. So at the time I was eight, nine, nine, ten. 10. I was 11. Okay. I was 10 or 11. You're like, I'm a little bit older than Anakin Skywalker was. So I've got a chance. So, I mean, that was pretty innocent though, because at camp, I think you're like way hornier than you even are usually. Oh, sure. Because you're surrounded. You're like, I'm away from home. I'm surrounded by a bunch of my peers that, and I'm also like going through my first like stage of sexual awakening where you, you're like, Ooh, I think I know what sex is. The crush ratio at summer camp triples. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that was. That was the first time where I had like a big older person crush. One time when I was a kid, I belly flopped from the uh, blob. Um, <clears throat> What's the blob? You know the blob. 
Is it the thing that like all you rich kids had where you would jump on it and it was floating on the water and it would launch you? Well, yeah, it wasn't a rich kid thing. It was like <laughs> if you go to the right park at the right time, they've got the blob set a up. A park? Yeah, like at the what? lake. Like at a lake. I was we were going to we were at some lake. Uh-huh. And I got blobbed and I belly flopped. Yeah. And it How hurt ba- your nips. It was hurt it? so bad yeah. that I forgot to swim a little. And I like kind of freaked out. <laughs> Wait, and so, you just had like a little amnesia from shock? No, I was, I was, I think I was a little shocked. Yeah, that it like was so because I was like 10. shocked that it felt so good. No, I was like ten, and I I got the shock and I flailed a little in the water, and so I had a sandlot experience where the beautiful lifeguard came and rescued me. Whoa, I did not, you got rescued? I didn't. I did not. I did not. You did not pull, mac with her. Yeah, I did not pull that uh, malarkey. Every summer, there she is. Oh, shit. But you wanted to. She did rescue me. And my <laughs> oh, un- wait. But, but my uncles gave me so much shit that whole week. They're like, oh, I think she's got a crush on you. you- Man, uncles, Look are, what you did. uncles are the best or the absolute worst, aren't they? Like, <laughs> I can't wait to be an uncle. I know. <laughs> you're, gonna be, you're already like that. Okay, wait. Can I tell you one more? Because mm-hmm. I feel like yours was more personal. Uh, than getting blobbed? No, no, you're one about your your church liaisons. <laughs> they certainly were no liaisons. I, what? Gosh, this is really embarrassing. But um, but the public needs to know. Mm-hmm. I at one point in time when I was I was probably sixteen, I had a a lump on my on on my chest, and it was like near the nipple area, mm. and I was. You know, my my mom and I were like, I guess let's go get it checked out because mm-hmm. it was lumpy and weird. And so the first thing that they do when that happens when you're a teenager is they're like, let's do a ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I go into the they like gown me down and I had to take off. This is this is why you shouldn't wear boxers, boys who are in their teenagers. This is this is the instance for why you should not. I, I took off all my clothes, but my boxers, they put me in the gown and then they took off my shirt and the female doctor who was super young as far as doctors are concerned and super, super attractive came over to me and started rubbing jelly on my nipple. (laughs) Um, she's the coolest person in the world because I got a rather sizable erection during this. And she definitely saw it, and I definitely got super embarrassed, super red. And to her credit, she just completely kept doing her job, and she's like, don't worry, it happens. She said that? She said that, and it really made me not feel like shit, because she could have ignored it, but after I saw her see it, and she saw that I saw that she saw, I was like, okay, either I'm going to die right here, and... I, you know, she took an awful risk being like, don't worry about it, but it really made it okay. So thank you, nurse, doctor, person out there who did that. I appreciate it. I want, I want to know from nurses what makes them more uncomfortable, rogue boners or pooping during childbirth? I would probably, probably. I don't know. Which would you rather deal with? I mean, nurses got to deal with poop all the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're I, so used to that. Well, I don't know. Could you ever get, just be like, mm, poop's fine. I don't know. Um, I'm watching Scrubs right now and there's a lot of like bedpan jokes. Sure. Well, what movie are we here to talk about? Welcome everybody to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. My name is Kelly McCrillis. I'm the Erection Boy. <laughs> I'm uh, Ryan Graves and I'm 
happily not. Um, and this week we watched Crazy Stupid, Stupid Love. Love. Kelly, this is for me one of the, I don't know, probably in my top 20 rom-coms for like most enjoyable. I'm not really? Gonna, I'm not going to say best rom-com. It's not as substantial of a film of a Notting Hill or When Harry Met Sally, but... I was really hoping that you we would disagree. You wanted me to hate it again? No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm glad that you love it, too. For me, it's probably the last great studio rom-com. We yeah? Have, uh, you know, that's big budget, hot stars. Man, this has got some hot, hot moments in it. Like, I think, uh, like, technically About Time was after this, but, you know, not, not on the... Not on the same Richter scale of a fluffy rom-com. You know? You're right. This um, this both equals fluff, and it doesn't have like a... I, I would say About Time has enough fantasy going on that it makes it like extra genre, whereas this one is like a hard and fast rom-com. Yeah, you know what I was thinking about is there's a quote that Taika Waititi says, um, and he says this about Star Wars, but it applies... Mm, I, I, I know what quote, you're going to say. But it applies to rom-coms. It doesn't take itself too seriously, but it believes in itself. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way to describe both Star Wars and rom-coms. I think a good rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think this movie doesn't take itself too seriously, but it takes itself just seriously enough. Yeah. But where... it absolutely believes in itself. I think right. that's it, it, what, what pulls it through. It, it's one of those things where... like. I'm watching this and it's it's like we're watching a marathon, right? And you see someone f- run across the finish line like 20 minutes after the first person ran across and they're like still running. They're they're not like dropping out, but they're not like putting so much effort in that they're like my whole world is running. It's just that this movie is crossing the finish line and it's doing it with a plum. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you tell me a story? Let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So we open on John Legend's song, So Sexy. Hey, Connection. Movie opens with John Legend. This movie features Ryan Gosling. John Legend, Ryan Gosling, La La Land. Yep. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Little nepotiz. Exactly. <laughs> so we see date night between Steve Carell and Julianne Moore. And the way they, they show the difference between them and all the other couples where they're just, we're under the table watching a whole bunch of couples' feet touching. Mm-hmm. And they are- Just like booty call. Just like booty call. No dogs in this one. Nope. And they, uh, when we get to their feet, it's um, she's wearing the shoes like everybody else is. She's like there to have a sexy date, kind of, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they're nowhere near each other, and he's wearing New Balance. Yeah, which really sets the stage for not only their relationship but him as New a character. Balance was my brand in college. Was it? Was what was your brand? Uh, I didn't have a brand. I in college I wore whatever shoes I could get my hands okay. on. Um, I just I just bought New Balances and wore the crap out of them, and then mm-hmm. a year later it's like, well, I'm gonna replace these because they're hole in this. Now. I remember because they were always by the door and they were always huge, stinky was what I was going for. They're huge. They're hard. To, this is just roommate complaints. Hard though. to buy shoes for. You are. Yeah. I've tried to buy you shoes so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, 
they are having a okay dinner, and then Julianne Moore drops that she wants to get a divorce. Oh, so full. You're right. Shouldn't have eaten all that bread. Want to split a dessert? You okay? You seem a little off. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about what I want. Yeah, me too. Why don't you say it at the same time? One, two, three. I want a divorce. And I think this is really crucial that we set this up now because I'm so glad we're back to a movie that is all about relationships. Yep. Because... Yeah, because her was not about a relationship, was it? (laughs) Sorry, I'm gonna... I'm busting chops. I'm busting chops. So... The way she, the way this family is honest, it's kind of both refreshing, but also dramatic. Mm -hmm. It seems that the problem that this family has is not being honest up front Mm -hmm. or communicating very often, which is often the problem case in any of these movies. But it's about like not being able to hold in the truth anymore and it kind of just coming out at an inopportune moment. Mm -hmm. And so Julianne Moore, who I I just want to state, First off, that this movie has five Emmy winners and five Oscar-nominated uh, actors and three Oscar winner, I believe, actors. I like it. So great actors in this. But when Julianne Moore is just like, I want to get a divorce. And Steve Carell is just at a loss. Like that moment is is just about like stark truths being pent up and coming out and the other person not being ready for it. Mm -hmm. And those are always hard to deal with in a relationship. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think this movie catalogs those really well. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they go home. (laughs) She keeps telling him why uh, she wants a divorce. And one of the symptoms is that she slept with David Lindhagen. David Lindhagen. (laughs) David Lindhagen, whose name is all over this movie. Mm -hmm. Lindhagen? Hagen. Hagen. Like Hagen does. Played by Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon playing something, playing someone who sounds like an ice cream. Yeah. Which is, makes him tasty. Kind of looks like an ice cream. Yeah. Mmm, I want some of that Lindhagen. Yeah, that's what Julianne Moore said. Are you, <laughs> um, sight unseen, you've got Steve Carell in front of you and David Lindhagen. David Lindhagen. They both got great personalities. Which one's more attractive? Uh, Steve Carell. I mean, you just said sight unseen because so sight scene. Uh, like, gun to my head, I have to pick between the two. Sophie's choice, Steve Carell. I think me too. It's nothing against Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's a very attractive dude. But Wait, are they dancing? No. Then Steve they're just Carell. standing there. I yeah, I think there's something, and I think it plays to Kevin Bacon's strength in this movie where. There's something about him that's easily unlikable if that's the character he's playing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that he he has such kind eyes, but the rest of his face doesn't match up with his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Next time you see a picture of Kevin Bacon, see what I mean? I, I don't usually look at his eyes. I usually look at his feet. Oh, because he's dancing. Because his foot are loose. <laughs> his foots are loose. His foots are loosen. Uh, so Cal jumps out of the car because he can't deal with it. And yeah. that's just a really good joke to set up what their problem is, is that Steve Carell is a conflict avoider, which is a classic uh, relationship mm-hmm. thing to do, is just not to deal with it and to avoid conflict. It was a funny moment. Yeah. It's funny and it's true. It's a very good, honest Jumped moment. out of a lot of cars, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it, 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 it's a joke 
that is both like an emblematic joke that like sums up their situation. Right. I mean, this is um, uh, repeated later on in uh, Lady Bird. Right. Yeah. Where she's fighting with her mom. But I don't think they're conflict avoidant. No, I think Lady Bird is impulsive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So they get they're on their way home and we meet their kids. Um, They have a 13, 14 year old son and like an eight-year-old daughter who's played by Joey King, I think. And the she's, daughter? Yeah, I think she's on It Netflix. is Joey King. She's on Netflix. Which stuff. you can actually see her name in um, the son's cell phone later on in the movie. Oh, funny. Yeah, it's just the one right below uh, the girl he's texting. That's really funny. So we meet the babysitter played by Anna Lee Tipton. Who you might know from like Warm Bodies or uh, any other. Things. This Is she's- Us, maybe? I don't know, but she's got a very memorable face. She does. You would recognize yeah. her. She's very tall. She has a sup- a classical supermodel figure. She's super unique yeah. looking. Like I I want to see her in more things just because like she is she is distinct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's playing with the daughter. She stumbles into the son's room where she catches him thinking uh, about his <laughs> church singer. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to see that. He's uh choking the chicken. He's uh what are some other ones you know? <sighs> he is um we can play the clip from there's something about Mary. He was out of the way. Um and, and he freaks out. He freaks out. Justifiably so. She also freaks out freaks out justifiably, justifiably so and leaves and this is what I'm talking about because Julianne Moore takes this opportunity to espouse, oh no, we need to get a divorce. And her son never tells, it's, it's hard when you have a crush to tell your crush that you like them, especially when they're older, especially when they're your babysitter. But he takes this moment, uh, having her having just walked in on him um, whacking it, and he comes downstairs and tells her that he's in love with her. Yeah. And, and so he goes skip, for it. Skips liking, skips the, I really like you. Which also weird, but says, I love you, on top of the fact that... Just for the record, I think about you while I do it. Robbie, I have this picture of you, and I look at it the whole time. Stop it. Yep. Yeah. Who? Like, this is a brave kid. Very brave. I mean, if you're going to go for it, you should just go for it. Yeah, and the way the kid plays it, I believe this performance. It's not something where I'm like, no way would a kid ever do this. For some reason, I'm just like, this kid would. Yeah, I would never do that. You would never do that. Um, would you ever do that? Maybe. What's what's uh, um, Ashley, Riley? Huh? What's what's the babysitter's name again? Annalee Tipton. When Annalee, Jessica is her name. Jessica. When she, like, when he tells her this, she's just like, no, 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 no. Please don't. Please don't. Please stop. And um, he's like, there's not that big of an age difference between us. It's only three or four years. I'm like, he's got a point. <laughs> I mean, he's got a point, but um, you know, age is something that. As we are growing up, the further we get from zero, the the more age makes a difference, right? Yeah. And or I mean, I guess the less age makes a difference the further we get from zero. Yeah. So when you're a teenager, I feel like age is everything. Like, yeah. I, I remember I dated a girl in high school who was a year older than me, and it was it was something that people made note of. They're like, "Whoa, older woman." Oh, the most <laughs> notable in our high school is when the 
sophomore basketball player dated the senior cheerleader. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Which isn't that big of a deal, but it feels like a big deal. Right. And we'll talk more about um, this kid's persistence. What's his name? His name is Robbie. Yep. Uh, we'll talk more about his persistence and like the lessons of this movie a little a little later on. But he plot. he got some kind of uh, lesson from someone that when it comes to romance, you just got to go for it, which is mostly true. It is it is mostly true. And again, we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit later because the basically what interrupts this horribly horribly awkward I want to crawl out of my skin moment mm-hmm. is Steve Carell who is the king of awkward moments yeah and he he um kind of admits to the babysitter in front of his kid that he's getting a divorce which is rough yeah and the kid kind of takes it in stride yeah even though like you can tell it affects him and uh Julian Moore is just about taking care of business there's something about awkward moments in comedies that don't work for me sometimes because it's playing so much into the awkward that I'm like, none of this would ever happen. Your favorite show is The Office. I know, but but I think The Office and this movie ride the line of believable perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so all of this works for me. So he takes Annalie Tipton home, Steve Carell. Yes. And that's when we learn that she's got a crush on him. Yeah, well, and actually, we kind of learned that a little bit beforehand because she knocks over a photo of the two of them and covers up Julianne Moore and just stares at him. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's 17 and he's 44. Steve Carell. <laughs> yeah, he's 44. And she's about to tell him because like, I, is is it just that confessions are like infectious? <laughs> well, this, what's fun? Oh, I just saw your son masturbating and he told me he loved me, so I need to tell you that I love you. What's fun about rom-coms is that people are so much more amorous in general. They're just, there's so much more feeling in a yeah. rom-com. Everyone's just so much, so much more attractive and attractable. I love it. Well, she's, I, I really like how she prefaces it because she seems like a very self-aware 17 year old where she's like, yeah. She's like, I have a stupid, and she's almost as like, I have a stupid crush. Yeah, and it's almost uh, as an exorcism just to get it off her chest so that she can move on. Which would have taken care of the whole problem if he didn't interrupt her. And he, if he wasn't so distracted by right. David Lindhagen. David Lindhagen. David Lindhagen. Fucking God, I hate him. And and she isn't able to tell him that she likes him. Mm-hmm. So that basically sets us up for Steve Carell moving out. Yeah, he moves out and then he starts to sulk at the bar. Before we get there, Julian Moore, when he like packs up the the moving truck, mm-hmm. you can like we we get to know that they've been together forever since yeah. like they were in high school, and she offers to back the car out of the driveway for him, which is just such good writing. Yeah, because she doesn't do it malevolently. She just is like, I know that you don't like doing it, and she like as he backs out, she like walks with him mainly because she. She also doesn't want him to go, and we get that subtext later in the movie, but she's kind of, like, watching him and, like, making sure he doesn't hit anything, and it's so subtle and such... It's so, so well done. This is why I agree with you. This is one of the the better movies and the better rom-coms made in the past 20 years. Yeah. You know what they should have done, though, in that scene is him backing out just at the very end of it, him scratching against the gate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just uh-huh. to, like, remind us, it's like, no, he's a shitty driver. <laughs> Um, which doesn't come into play any other time in the film. But. No, but his his experience with vehicle, vehicles is not great. He jumps out of them, so. <laughs> He's allergic. Yeah. 
So he he ends up at this bar later that night. Uh, and he meets, well, he doesn't meet. He views, he observes Ryan Gosling. The baby goose. The baby goose. The baby goose who, I'm going to, I'm going to spoil Robin's Ryan blindness. Uh, she's got rhyme blindness. Is that why she doesn't l- want to hang out with me? <laughs> no, my wife loves you. Robin has rhyme blindness between Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds. And Ryan Reynolds. How hard can it be? Well, for her, it's pretty hard. Actually, this is a thing. I looked it up after this movie. There are other people who have this problem. Is it like the Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman thing? Kind of. Um, because I, I, they're very different people to me, but Robin also used to lump Ryan Philippi into this group of Ryans. Oh, but he got not famous, so he's out. And he has curlier hair, but I have to say, Baby Goose, you are so hot. So hot. He's, and he, he kind of has a, um, what would you say his accent is in this movie? Because they're in LA, but. He He seems to have a New York Jewish accent. Yeah. Or. Like, even, like, Jersey. Because he's sprinkling in some Yiddish. Like Yeah, every once in a while. Every, every little bit. And gives it a good flavor. Gives it a good character. He's he's a good character, and we can just tell that he's a player. Uh, yep, he's uh, a just, by definition, player. He's not, you know, I guess we can take a few minutes to talk about who he is. He's not totally misogynistic, but he's flirting with it to a point where we need him to rehabilitate. Well, we need some character development. Yeah, because I was talking to Robin about this. Did um, she watch it? Yeah, we watched it together. How'd she feel about him? Uh, she really liked him. Yeah. Um, she she was like, he's not he's not chauvinist. He he makes this comment at one point in time where he's like, Look, let's face it, Count. All right, the war between the sexes is over. We won. Okay. We won the second women started doing pole dancing for exercise. But even though we won, they still deserve our respect. You know, make them feel beautiful, actually listen to their problems. But she's like, the the fact that he, like, actually does care about women, just, it makes it feel like he's empowered without being an asshole. Yeah. But, I like, I think me and you and I, as people who are, like, trying to be not only sensitive, but trying to like course correct the past years of male chauvinism mm-hmm. kind of have a reaction to that type of person. Yeah. But I think he rides the line and I think the fact that we get to know him and the fact that he has an evolution in this movie makes us like him all the more. Yeah. He's, he's a player, but he's a friendly player <laughs> and he's very upfront. He's like, this is what I want. I'm going to tell you what I want. And he doesn't ever make anybody feel like crap. Yeah, I think and, most importantly. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where he he pursues, but then he gets the hard no, and he stops. Yeah. And it's like, if this was from the 90s, he would just keep pursuing, and the movie would be like, that's all you got to do. You just got to keep pursuing. And this movie really talks about that type of thing, where whether it's Steve Carell, uh, Robbie, Steve Carell's son, or Jacob, who is Baby Goose. Yeah. It talks a lot about pursuit and why it's both important and when it becomes too much. Yeah. And again, we'll get into that just a little bit more towards the end of the movie. Yeah. But um, he meets, Baby Goose meets Emma Stone, Mm -hmm. who is just another character in this movie at this point in time. Sure. And she's hanging out with her friend who is played by... Some lady. Liza Lapira. Okay. Who is very funny as well. And... The two of them are just at this bar and they're approached by Ryan Gosling. 
And immediately she doesn't go home with him, so we know that she's strong-willed. But she's also dating Josh Groban. Josh Groban. And who Josh is such a goon in this movie in the <laughs> nicest mean, way. He kind of plays the same role in this movie as he does in The Office. Uh, where it's like I lovably doofy. Who's he playing in The Office? He plays Andy's brother. Oh. Yeah. And he sings, of course. May the good Lord be with you down every road you roam. He's also in Bridesmaids. He's got a very good scene in Bridesmaids. Yeah. Well, so is Groby... Groby. Is the Grober... I think he wants to be called Groby. Is Monster Groberman the... Is he a good actor? Uh, he's good for what you need him to do. And I think so too. And it's just fun to be like, the singing That's guy. Me. It's Josh Groban. Yeah. So he's, he's a lawyer and uh, he, they're dating. Yeah. So she doesn't go home with Ryan Gosling, even though he's he's charming and he's like a little persistent. But at the end, he's she's like, no, nah, I'm going to get out of here. And he's like, OK. And then we end that. Do you remember when did you first did you see this movie when it first came out? Yeah. Do you remember when you were watching it for the first time and he's like, uh, should we take your car or my car? I'll drive. <laughs> and there's just this like charminess where you're watching and you're like man i could if i could just have that like sparkliness if i could just get that i I feel like i could i feel like i could get someone right it it's exuding both confidence charm and with a smidge of (laughs) douchebag yeah but (laughs) the not the kind that our wives like but just the smarminess that our our wives like in us right right where it's it's like or we, we which we, 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 we know we that's know. just what we're assuming it's like you like that part of us and both her wives are like no we don't it's like we we know we're full of ourselves but the fact that we know it means that it's okay right it's okay right it's okay right like, yes. <laughs> yes yes it's okay it's okay, okay. it's okay um so he doesn't go home with her but he goes home with somebody else and over the next couple weeks we have steve carell kind of going to this bar and to sulk sulking and telling everybody what's going on to the point that ryan gosling not reynolds calls him over and he's like hey come here i'm gonna fix you yep and he basically what is what is this uh, he miyagi's him to use the movie's parlance yeah but the he plays the magic wizard role of like i'm gonna change your he's the, life he's the obi-wan kenobi yeah or the qui-gon jinn yeah, the the, uh, the Gandalf. The... He's more the Gandalf because he sees he's like you need an adventure. I'm going to fix you. Yeah, because what he's offering is akin to you know going off with a bunch of dwarves. No, this doesn't work. Well, if you replace dwarves with sexy ladies from the bar, yes, yeah. these are some sexy dwarves. Oh, yes, the dwarves that go swimming. And so thus begins like the the plot of our movie. And it's sprinkled in with like meeting uh David Lynn Hagen. David Lynn Hagen. Yeah. As he like kind of tries to get something going. Because he actually truly likes Julianne Moore. Yeah. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, he he's just, just he wants her and he wants her and he's like, I, I wasn't planning on sleeping with you, but you know, yeah. Couldn't help it because I'm David Linhagen. Oh, who are you? I'm David Linhagen. So the movie is kind of uh, all these conflicts just kind of following through and all the subplots are bumping into each other. And Steve Carell is probably the anchor and it's really about him. You know, loosely you could say about him finding his manhood, which sounds disgusting because he does it by going for very uh, surface level things so that he can sleep with a 
several women. I right. want to say a lot of women, but multiple women. And the, and that's that's basically. And the movie is actually aware of this. At first, the movie's just kind of like, look at Steve Carell. He's looking so good because of Ryan Gosling, who also looks good, and they're having a good time. Right, but it's doing it with intention. Yeah. Um, and Steve Carell is... Well, th- this movie's story economy, for one, I just want to touch on it for a second, is some of the best. Mm-hmm. It, it has a lot of different plots. It's um, it's almost two hours long, right? Mm-hmm. And it somehow weaves those plots together seamlessly. Yeah, because a lot of the time Steve Carell is talking to his son. They talk about a lot of things. They talk about his relationship with Julianne Moore. They talk about his crush on, you know, not knowing that it's talking about Jessica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually have a really cool relationship. Yeah, they have a good father-son relationship. It's like, oh man, I I want Theo to be this cool. <laughs> and poor poor Robbie, like, uh, and poor Jessica as well. They both go to school together, but as well, like Steve Carell, when he first starts hanging out with M- Mr. Gosling, he's like, oh, Jessica's coming over to babysit you. Yeah. And Robbie, true to his word, is being persistent and being like, I love you. And Jessica's like, oh no, I got to deal with this again. <sighs> yeah so <laughs> robbie oh robbie and we'll get him we'll get to robbie towards the end okay yeah so i mean that's that's the bulk of the story right where steve carell learns to kind of try a little bit more mm-hmm. he he learns to see himself as somebody who could potentially be a little bit more sexy slash interesting than he is i guess on a surface level yeah but also you know, it's 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 like you can't just w- put on good clothes. You've got to be able to wear the clothes. And to wear the clothes, you got to be confident. Right. And the it's funny because the first actual test case of this um, where he, he succeeds is with um, another person who was in a Spider-Man movie, Marissa Tomei. Yeah. Um, the other May. being Emma Stone. Yeah. And, um, um, you know. Is this so- a Spider-Man movie? <laughs> It's a prequel. Um, hey, have they ever had a Gosling in a superhero movie? No, I don't think he's deigned to. What's that about? I think I think he would have been great in one, but I think he doesn't need to. And I feel like Ryan Gosling sees himself as more of an artist. Although, like, let's let's look at Blade Runner. And that's that's a sci-fi film akin to a superhero movie. Okay, so he's done a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was just thinking... If Kevin Bacon wasn't available for this movie, equal equally powerful would have been Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would much rather go up against Kevin Bacon if I was a, a romantic rival than Michael Keaton. Not because Michael Keaton is necessarily more sexy, but I see him as more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he would tr- truly be a threat. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Let's talk a little bit about the twist. Because Steve Carell goes home with Marissa Tomei and they have sex and the she... whole the whole thing about them having sex is that he's brutally honest about himself towards her and she finds that so sexy. Yeah, which again, honesty in extreme moments. Yeah, right? Um and then later on the first twist of this movie is that um like the the as as Steve Carell has gone through this film, he's been taking care of um, his yard, 
like that uh, of his old house that he used to live at with Julianne Moore, which is funny because he's like aerating the lawn with yeah. these spiky shoes and stuff. But they go to a PTA meeting together at one point in time. I miss you, Em. I made an effort when we were younger, didn't I? I mean, miniature golf and dancing. You were such a great dancer. I had to be. You're such a good miniature golfer. I just, I don't know. I guess I got lazy. I got, I got boring is what I got. No. And I'm so mad at you. I'm really mad at you for what you did. But I'm mad at myself too. Because I should not have jumped out of that car. I should have fought for you. Because you fight for your soulmates. You see, like, the beginning of them maybe being able to patch things up. And it's such an important scene because that's what we need to see. Like, a good rom-com exhibits good human behavior of, mm-hmm. like, what a healthful relationship is. And what we need to see from Steve Carell is, is like, cop to his weaknesses, but also cop to what's bothering him. Because Sarah was talking about the movie last night, and she was saying... I get that. I see that most often with my relation, the relationships I counsel because she's a marriage counselor. It's mostly uh, partners try to fall on their own sword and avoid the conflict and just, if they suffer, they suffer in silence because they don't want to cause any harm. Right, which causes more harm in the long run. Yeah, and so for Steve Carell to tell her, like, I'm really mad at you mm-hmm. and you hurt me. And, like, that is such an important step to having a healthy healthy relationship. Maybe they don't end up together romantically, but this is a reconciliation no matter what. And I, I like this version of this because there's a lot of movies, we talked about this in uh, To All the Boys I Love Before too, where there's a lot of movies these days that feel prescriptive of what a good relationship should look like. Right. And I feel like this, what, what a good film does is that, but in a way where the characters for reasons of pride, of pain, of love can't accomplish those immediately and the movie like is is a a perusal of like how can we get to that point yeah and disentangling a a a stale marriage that's like over 15 years old takes work it's gonna take time you can't do it in one conversation Mm -hmm. and so um that all gets blown up because who does their teacher end up being but marissa tomei aunt may no and he didn't call her back because he's taking the Ryan Gosling approach of just being cool. Yeah. And it kind of makes him realize like, oh, wow, I was a dick. Yeah. He didn't call her back. He didn't even say like, Hey, I don't want to be with you, which isn't something that, that like, like at, at, when she's leaving his place after they, they bone down, they go to the bone town. Yeah. Um, she's like, you going to give me a call? And he's like, Oh, sure. And, <laughs> It's not said in earnest or anything, but you can tell she expects it and he doesn't want to. Yeah. And so it's instead just, of being honest, yeah, he avoids it. He either avoids it. It's kind of like a lie by omission. Of yeah. Like, you know, there was some kind of understanding, whether it was vocalized, verbalized or not, there was, there was an understanding. So mm-hmm. if you're not going to call someone, you need to be upfront about it. Right. Which it seems like Ryan Gosling probably actually is because he seems like somebody who is 
generally honest. Yeah, and the the flings that he he seems to be having is with women who probably are just looking for flings that yeah. they don't want to settle down with him because, like, we see Gosling have a game, and he has like a playbook that he goes by. He's he's basically like an acceptable Barney Stinson. You guys know how it's hard to be friends with me because I'm so awesome. Right, where he has his rules, he has his borders, but he's upfront about what those are. But if a guy is going to use pickup lines, even if they're super duper clever, then I have to imagine, because I haven't gone through this experience, but I have to imagine that if women are going home with him and there's pickup lines involved and there's stuff like that involved, then neither party is probably looking for much other than having a good night together. I'm guessing. I mean, you know, not to... um not all pickup lines, but um, <laughs> I I uh, I think probably most of the time. Yeah, yeah. But this kind of leaves our our man in a lurch, our lead character, mm-hmm. because it's obvious that he still wants his wife and he still loves his wife. But he he is brutally honest with her again when she is mad at him after this interaction, and he says, "I've slept with nine people," and she's just like. She now she's hurt, which makes the situation more complicated. Yeah, because relationships are complicated and pride is complicated. And the more you do in a relationship to put distance between yourself and another person, the harder it is to bridge that gap. And just to hear that, it's such a devastating thing for him to say. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of that. I'm like, if I heard a partner say that, how do you like? It just sets back all your progress. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though their progress was like them sitting across from each other. But it, we could tell it was important. Yeah. Yeah. And at this, I think it's around this point in time in the film that we see Emma Stone, who has really not been in this movie very much. No, not until the hour mark. Right. Because she, we see her get hit on by the baby goose. Um, and then her friend calls her when she's at the bar and is like, the goose is here. You should come down and uh, honk his goose. Yeah, it's Hotman. Flame you, Hotman. It's Miss Mr. Hotman. Come come on and hang out. And she's like, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. But then uh, she breaks up with Josh Groban. Basically, he's he's a boob. Yeah, he's just being a little goon. Just a, kind of a benign goob. <laughs> and like this scene is amazing because she walks through the rain to the bar where Ryan Gosling happens to be and is just like, you still find me attractive? Great. Let's let's have sex. <laughs> let's bone. And they go back to his place. And this is one of the most, I would say this is one of the most um, notable scenes in a rom-com recently. Like there are, there are so, I, I have seen this on, um, I've seen this on a, an Oscar um, like mixtape. You know how like before oh. the Oscars, they're like, Let's talk about romance movies and they'll add it to a reel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have seen people post about this scene all over the place. Yeah. And it's a great scene. Why don't you talk about it? So they go to his place and she's really nervous. And yeah, so for all the confidence that she has, she's really nervous. And she's kind of drunk. And so she's she's verbalizing her mental headspace and she's she really wants to go through with it, but isn't sure how to navigate it. So one of the first things she tells him to do is take his shirt off and he's like do i have to she's like yes take your shirt off he takes it off and whew, just dynamite areolas on him so <laughs> that's from scrubs i don't want to take credit for such a good you cut glass <laughs> and uh she's like seriously and she touches him and stuff um but 
basically, this this whole scene leads to him being very honest because she talks to him. Yeah, and she's like, this is what's going to happen. Usually, I would get drunk, and then I would pass out, and you'd be the nice guy, and you would put a blanket on me and kiss my cheek, but that's not going to happen. We're going to bone, and no passing out, no kissing on the cheek. And what they end up doing is they start to make out, they start to get physical with each other, but she keeps talking, um, and she keeps chattering away, and he's just kind of like game for it and just kind of like okay we can talk yeah um and and that all starts with with her um like really interrogating him on like whether this is how it works with him yeah because not only is she nervous but she wants she kind of wants to know who he is yeah and the one of the things that she gets out of him is like well how does it work what's your what's your move he's like okay my big move is and this is like the first time he starts to actually open up Mm -hmm. and it it gets him to be transparent with her and he obviously wouldn't have done this with any other woman is that he's like my move that i use is i do the dirty dancing thing right or i do the lift and they do it and I think they used stunt devils on this. I don't know if he... Well, I don't know. It, maybe. Maybe not. They're both physical actors. It's a, long, he is in, it's a wide shot. He's in He's in a really good shape, and she does not weigh a lot. It's a wide shot. I don't know. I, I would believe it if you told me that they had. And they don't cut away. They only use the wide shot. Did you see it. his muscles? I Did you see them? You know, when you're pumping iron like that... It doesn't necessarily mean you're the strongest. It just means that you've He's got, got the core, biggest He's got core, Ryan. Yeah, just saying, Tommy McGuire could have done better. <laughs> anyway, so he he cops to like exactly how it usually goes, right? That he's got a procedure, that he's right. got a game. Yeah, and for him to be that vulnerable with her, kind of, it, we get the sense that he isn't generally. Yeah. And um, not he, only that, he doesn't need to because his only goal really is to just hook up. But you would assume that he would be the one that would forget people's names. Mm-hmm. But he, you, you kind of get the sense that he knows the name of every girl that he goes home with. Mm-hmm. Even though at the bar at one point in time he like, um, hey fancy face, hey fancy face. Um, you think that's just that's like defense and affectation because when she calls him like hey. Like you're, you're just like the sexy guy from the bar. He's like Jacob. And he keeps like saying, my name is Jacob. Yeah. And there's like a value system where he's like, Hey, I'm a person. Right. And, um, it's, it's a really fun turnabout is fair play by the time they get to the end of the night where they've talked all night and they've spilled a bunch of secrets, mainly him. And he falls asleep and she kisses him on the cheek and covers him up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she keeps talking uh, during the physicality scenes, uh, you ever run into this? Yes, uh, I have. And it's just like, please stop talking. <laughs> but um, but it can actually turn into the night that they have, where it's like you just actually end up talking all night, and it's actually some of the best nights that you ever have. And some some talking can be sexy repartee. Yeah, and some talking, but I, a lot of talking means I'm not necessarily into this right now. I want to talk. Yeah, which, but, which it evolves into. But I think being physically vulnerable with someone, for me, is tethered to being emotionally vulnerable with someone. Mm. And if you're being both, then kind of breaking into a conversation and letting that take you into a night sounds more prudish, but I think it's more 
Well, it's more intimate in the long run. And it's more important for your life. It's not just about sex. It's about both. And it ends up being more important for their lives because he's been kind of over the next couple of weeks since he's in this relationship now. This is the first time we've ever seen him in like with a woman more than one night in a row. Mm-hmm. He's ignoring Steve Carell's desperate pleas where Steve Carell has gone through this really dramatic moment, doesn't know what to do about it, has been calling the goose for advice, and he's been ignoring him because he's in that early stage of relationship phase where you don't do anything other than hang out with your significant other. God, that month was the best. <sighs> Like you, we were living together and it's like, I didn't see you. I know. Well, so I assume it was good, but Sarah would come over and I was like, you want to hang out in my room? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I spent, um, any time at my house the first month dating Robin there that month you told me you met this girl and you were like starstruck and I kind of like looked at what day it was. I was like, okay, it's like the third Okay. And I kind of like mapped out. I'm like, I'm probably not going to see him for a few weeks. <laughs> like I knew. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to let them hang out. And then there's going to be this time where Kelly has to come and tell me about everything. And then I get to meet her. That's exactly how it happened. Yep. But eventually he does pick up, right? Yep. And we've, we've forgotten this whole thing where Robbie comes to work with his mom and says it's a really sweet moment where he like admits that he heard her crying and he Google tried to Google what to do. It's like a good mother son moment. And he's she's like, what did you find? And he's like, basically a bunch of porn <laughs> about weird women videos. crying. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, my son's a perv. But it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's the kind of relationship that you kind of want with the parent. But requires a lot of trust. Yeah, a lot of trust. So at this point in time, Lynn Hagen David Lynn Hagen. is still going on dates with her. And um, she comes home from a date with Lynn Hagen and kind of the the babysitter, Jessica, opens the door and um, Juliet, not Juliet Binoche. Why did I Julianne say that? Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore pretends that it's not happening. Yeah. And you kind of have to wonder, is that for her kids or herself? Both. Yeah. Easily. Uh-huh. And then it's like uh, Jessica on her ride home earlier with Steve Carell. She's like, your wife is batshit crazy for like letting you go. Cause you're the nicest person. And I love how she just walks out of the house when Julianne Moore is trying to pay her for babysitting her kids. And she's just like batshit, batshit crazy. You know, this is the one scenes though. I don't, I don't really get her outburst though. Uh, Jessica's. Yeah, I get it. Tell me. Well, Basically, when you have a crush on somebody and you see that that person is hung up on somebody else, it's almost like incredulous that they would not be in love with that person. Like they're given such a unique opportunity to love somebody that you love, right? Yeah. And she comes over and babysits all this time and she's just like, she has this huge crush on Steve Carell. I, I don't know. I bought it. Yeah. I was thinking about how we can look at other people and be like, how, why would you do that to that person? And there's always something more to it. But there's certain movies where the cheater doesn't have that complexity. It's just that they're a villain and an antagonist. Right. And Julianne Moore has a complexity that we know about. It's just that Jessica doesn't know. She, she can't see the complexity behind it. What's, what's, what is beautiful about this film is that it does handle an affair deftly and truthfully 
of the most like marriage counselor way of like if a marriage counselor had to like put into paper the average affair story it pretty much looks like theirs Mm -hmm. because it's like it's not that someone just got bored one day and like fell into another person yeah it it's it's always a symptom of something bigger right and that's what's so good about their relationship it's like okay sleeping with david lindhagen bad Worse is this this thing that you've this you miscommunication. Guys, yeah, yeah, this is this is killing your relationship. Right, right. Uh, Where like, sure, you sprained your ankle, but you shouldn't have been wearing those heels when you were hiking through a forest. Yeah, after yeah. Labor Day, and they are white. Yeah, you stepped on a. Yeah, okay, this was a bad <laughs> metaphor. Don't worry about it. Um, but just to confirm emotional honesty and just kind of relationship accuracy all across right. the board. And this movie is r- like writing for that hard. Yeah. And this, this all culminates in a scene that I want to talk about next on trope talk. So Ryan, we need to talk about tropes. Talk. We're going to talk about tropes. total tropes talk. in this talkie. Yeah. The trope that I want to talk about today is the trope of the fight. The big fight. The big fight where everything comes out. Yep. Now, did you, when you first saw this movie, know, spoilers, by the way, here on out for the rest of the film, that Emma Stone was Steve Carell and Julianne Moore's oldest daughter? Nope. Totally tricked. Totally tricked me, too totally tricked Robin last night because it was her first time seeing it. I think this movie does such a good job at just putting it right out there and being it like telegraphing. This is going to happen. And why don't we catch it? Yeah. And they, they call Hannah Nana and Mm -hmm. they, so you think you think that they're talking about a grandma, the whole film and they keep referring to this Nana. Uh huh. Uh, what's weird is, they all live in L.A. I don't know why Emma Stone can't visit more often. Well, we just don't see it. And, you know, I say that, and I was just, and you know, this doesn't count during COVID time, so it's like, my parents are like, that's a good point, son. Why don't you visit more often? It's like, <laughs> yeah. got it. I, I live a six and a half hour drive from my parents, and um, no excuse, mom and dad. Sorry. It's expensive, <laughs> and, you know, it's COVID right now, but uh i'm sorry (laughs) but it's it's one of those those things where they just through a very simple device of calling her nana like the whole movie i'd seen it before and the whole movie i was like why are they why do they keep referring to one of their parents like if they're getting divorced like i talked to nana today yeah but um basically ryan gosling calls steve Carell and he's like i'm with this awesome person and i'm gonna go meet her mom today and Steve Carell's like, go for it. Be yourself. And this is where we really see the turn for Gosling, where it's like, no, he likes this person. He's treating her super well. Yeah. And they, they have like a really good relationship with each other. And then we get Steve Carell going to this house. And he set up like a mini golf game because that was their first date was ice cream and mini golf. Right. Yeah. And this is something I'd love to do for Robin one day because she's a huge mini golf fan. Really? Oh, huge. And Let's I, go. I actually am, too. There just aren't any good mini golf places around. There's got to be one. A lot of mini golf places think that the bare minimum is like what mini golf is. But mini golf 
involves like a Rube Goldbergian amount right. of weird things to happen on your course. And you just, you got to put in the effort if you're going to make a course. Otherwise it's just a place that's going to close down in five years. I, I want to go. Okay. We'll, we'll find a good place. I, I go. my, my dream like gift for Robin is to take her around the U S to hit like all the best ones. Oh, oh that'd be so fun. Uh, anyway. So he sets us up and it's looks like like the trope always does it always looks like this is going to be the moment that turns everything around like steve carell has surprised her with this great gift and you know it's it's gonna fix everything and they're gonna get back together and david linhagen is gonna hit the road david linhagen but what happens first nana shows up which is emma stone and it's hannah and then steve carell recognizes that gosling shows up and then that's when the shit starts to hit the fan. Right. Because Steve Carell is like, I know your game. There's no way do I approve you being with my daughter. Somebody's daughter. Sure. Not mine. Right. Which is like another trope for this genre is dad doesn't think anybody is good enough for his daughter, especially somebody who has a like torrid past. So stay away. So that's strike one. Mm-hmm. What else ruins this happy day? Well, to set this moment up, we find that the babysitter wanted to earlier in the film show that cal weaver steve carell she wanted to show him that she's not just the babysitter that she's also a woman which is not legally true but in a certain way oddly depends on the state you're yeah in. because I washington if, i don't know if this is still true but when i was growing up washington was 16 hey hey um so she gets advice from a friend to just do some nude pics okay yeah well it's not a friend it's the girl at school who sleeps with older people right <laughs> So she takes the nude pics, she prints them, she has them in an uh, envelope waiting to be sent to Cal. Yeah, which, hey, like I don't know if any high schoolers listen to this, but we're living in a digital age. Nude pics are not, I wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't recommend it physically or otherwise. It's just, I mean, you do you, but it's dangerous, especially when you're not an adult who has like control of their life. My, my... My rule has been just assume that everyone can access your phone at all times. Was this after a bad altercation with the uh, <laughs> church lady's no. husband? No, but I've never, I've never deigned, I've never like entertained the thought of the avenue of any kind of sexy photos of any kind. Oh, really? Uh, just, just in the sense of I'll cop to it. I've definitely done it. Just in the sense that physical things can be found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you and I have definitely could probably trade stories of like being at friends' houses and the friends have found things, yes, found stuff. I definitely found stuff at friends' houses. Yeah, and you don't want that to happen. No, no. Um, and digital, I just it, it's gonna get out. It's just there's yeah, I don't trust it's, it. Mm, yeah. Well, to each their own for sure. But if, especially if you're a high schooler. Life's complicated enough as it is when you're a teenager. <laughs> don't don't do nude pics. And I think this this other family that we have, the the Jessica's parents, they're very conservative and well, in such a heartbreaking scene. Not only conservative. Can, can we talk about the dad earlier on in the movie? Yeah, I was going to say he he has to break up with Cal because they had to pick one or the other, and he has to break up with Cal, and it's so adorable. He just buys him cologne at the bar, and he's just like, I can't be your friend anymore. Right, and this this kind of like this kind of thing is we we have this this family who doesn't like talk about things. Like, I would say Steve Carell and uh, Julianne Moore 
don't didn't talk about things as they should, but they still are open and honest with each other. It's an interesting thing that the mom is going through her daughter's drawers, right? Oh, yeah. And then she finds this, doesn't talk to her daughter about it, doesn't like sit down and like have a conversation with her daughter. Goes straight to the dad. Shows the dad. And the only other scene that we've had with this family is how they are talking about Cal and mm-hmm. that they find out that Cal has become quite the ladies' man. Right. And st- is starting to sleep around. And they don't even want to say the word sex in front of their kids. Yeah. And they see that the the nude pics are addressed to Cal. And so dad freaks the out. Yeah. Doesn't talk to his daughter. Decides to go beat up Cal. And you know what? I think I would do the exact same thing. Really? Oh, I am yeah. the opposite kind of dad. It, I would. I would probably... I don't know if I would get all the way down the driveway to be beating him up, but I would probably assume the worst mm-hmm. and I would probably want to beat the tar out of this person. See, if I- it was, if it was, if I'm in my forties or fifties and it's my underage Endeavor daughter. Endeavor to be better. Endeavor to be better, Rye. If it's my underage daughter, I'm probably going to overreact. But if, if, but if it were true, you shouldn't punch people, but, these are one of the moments where it's like, I can totally understand why you would want to punch someone. Sure. I But again, I feel like Cal... Be better than the gap. Had Cal found this happening with his, like with Emma Stone when she was younger, he would have been like, hey, let's talk about this. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Which basically, that is that is the other thing that happens. And then also David Lynn shows up. Okay, wait, which one of you is Lynn Hagen again? David Lernhagen! And it's one of those great collision of conflicts where Cal is colliding with Gosling and then uh, the babysitter's dad shows up and literally bullline tackles him and then David Lindhagen shows up and then Gosling knows all about David Lindhagen and takes it upon himself to punch David Lindhagen. He also saves being... Steve Carell from the dad at one point in time and he pulls the dad off of him. Yeah. Yeah. And they get into a big, um, what do you call it? Tug of war. A tussle. A tussle. And a the tug girls, of war? <laughs> and the girls uh, just watch uh, men kind being of, just guys being dudes. Guys being dudes. Guys being dudes. And this is like we had a potential moment, right, in this film where everything could have gone well mm-hmm. and it goes the worst. And it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to do as a writer. Um, like that, the piece of writing advice is always, as as much as it hurts, always hurt your characters. Mm-hmm. And this destroys all the hopes that we thought existed for all these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, at, at the end of this scene, Jessica is taken away by her dad, and he's fuming mad. And Steve Carell is like, "I don't want you to date my daughter, Ryan Gosling." And um, which and is the most profound one? Because he's telling Gosling, like, I know what you're about. You're a total... Not believing that people can change. You're a total player. You don't care about women. And all the stuff that he's mad about is these things that he's criticizing about Gosling are the things that he's become. Right. And so he's mad about himself becoming, becoming all these terrible thing. things. And it's, you know, it's, I really want to hold a candle up to this film and say, like, we, they didn't go for that extra conflict of Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone being in a fight about this, where she's like, what What do you mean you used to be like 
about like you know having yeah, sex with every girl because she knows exactly who he was there's no surprise there's no surprise because he's honest with her yeah and like they they don't have that fight which is is something that i'm so glad this movie didn't do a lesser film would have and i really like what gosling does where we have the montage of them like being sad sacks yeah uh-huh. and gosling like goes up to emma stone he's like uh have you read the headline it says you should call your dad yeah and it's like man he's so charming and he just wants he just wants things to be resolved yeah and he really he does that really hard thing where he's graceful to steve carell when steve carell is just an asshole to him yeah and like it just really builds as much as we've seen ryan gosling not care about people's feelings not not that he doesn't care about people's feelings but he's he's not somebody who we'd be like yeah you should be with emma stone everything he's done after he they get together is like no you should be with emma stone yeah and yeah that's where we're left and there's this like sad sack of a moment and so we get the resolution of the film of when uh it's robbie's eighth grade graduation, graduation. and robbie has the honors of doing the commemoration thing for his Mm -hmm. class and basically does the like grand speech of like i no longer believe in love and steve carell runs to his defense and is like you should believe in love my friend and i say it in such a cheesy way but it's handled so deftly it is it's uh, it's really one of those those pieces of writing where a character comes to another one's rescue by admitting fault Mm -hmm. and if i was trying to think if this happened in real life would I be moved? And I think with how he handles it and how like the kid handles it at the end, I think I would. Yeah. And, you know, it's a love conquers all kind of speech where everyone claps and he makes his son makes another plea to Jessica. And it's almost kind of like, well, I'll just love you. You don't have to be with me, but just know that I love you kind of. Right. Now, this is the last this is the time I wanted to bring it up. Uh-huh. I wanted to talk about the kid because there's this message in this film that I think can also come off a little bit poisonous mm-hmm. where there are some men who prescribe to the just don't stop trying and it'll eventually work out. Mm-hmm. And that persistence game is something that I feel like some men grow up with and end up being the people at the bar who bother women to death. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point of you, you might call it uh, like thinking that, oh, no, no, you're in the wrong because you don't like me after I've tried so hard. Yeah. And that is the poisonous side of this thing. And the other side is is trying to prove that, like, no, you do mean something real to me. And that's the healthier side of this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think the way I'm okay with it in this movie is that at the end of the film, Robbie walks up to Jessica and he says, he offers his hand and he's like, look, I know it's not going to work out, but thank you. And I'm sorry for making you feel uncomfortable. He <laughs> and, apologizes to her. But it's almost like a baseball thing where he's like, thanks for playing. <laughs> right. Right. Where it's charming enough and it's humble enough that you're like, no, this kid's going to be okay. He's not going to turn into somebody who never takes no for an answer. But then they do this kind of like half thought out joke where she's like, you know, you've been a good sport. So here's your consolation prize. (laughs) Nude pictures of me. And I'm just I I think even in the theater, I heard some like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. so I'm going to say as an adult, I don't approve of this, but as somebody who is in high school if somebody did that she's not that stupid 
Well, here's the thing. She sure she's not that stupid as a character, but at the same time, like I know people who did this. I'm not saying teenagers won't do it. I don't think she would do this. That's that's fair. I I think that's a very fair assessment of this scene. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like high schoolers being like, "Hey, remember me?" by giving a nude photo. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me if I was in high school. Yeah, but you really got to trust him. Yeah, <laughs> because at at that point, can would he even like? I, I was trying to put myself in his shoes, and I'm like, could you? ever really truly be in love with somebody who is or at one point in time was in love with your dad yeah. that sounds like an oedipal type thing and, that would end in murder somehow and for her to give him that is being like good job getting over your coke addiction have some heroin just like just the worst <laughs> possible thing he could have of like you know i'm finally over you and it's like well you can't be now or if you're looking at it psychologically it's like if he is in love with her because she's like this forbidden like older girl and now he has like these pictures and he's like oh well i've kind of in the in the uh, patrick stewart way i've seen everything you know i've seen it all is it is it that much less like forbidden he's just like Oh, well, this is nude stuff. I'm going to go experience it for real now. No, nope, just more heroin. More heroin, okay. And I think a more, you know, if you did the like more dramedy version of it and you had an hour left to go, not that you would follow the path of like, and then he has this masturbation issue with this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> we don't have to go that route. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't like the rewrite of that movie, so no, we're not going to play it. Don't do that rewrite. Um, so, so luckily they just kind of glide over the joke and they don't think too much about it. I'm like, that's kind of a thoughtless joke. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, it didn't hit me too bad, but I, I was still like, uh, but one I of the things know. that they do get right is one of the, like, you know, this is in every save the cat kind of formula of like the dark night of the soul for your character. They have to do something good for themselves that is hard and hurt hurts them to do but no and they know in the end is the right thing to do and he deletes her number from his phone yeah it's like yeah okay, he's again reading he the apologizes room. he does that he's getting it's just it like yes. he's getting the message uh-huh. um so uh, to your point about persistence i i don't know about you but when i was young like junior high age i asked all my friends who were girls i'm like look just what do i need to do you asked all your friends who were girls. Ryan Graves, seventh grade, did this? No, no. I was getting their advice okay. on how to get a girlfriend. Oh, okay. I was like, how do I get a girlfriend? Uh-huh. And they all basically said, look, girls just want to be pursued. Mm-hmm. And they don't want you to be... <laughs> uh, I can't think of a better word right now, but limp. <laughs> but like... You confident know, is the yeah, word they Yeah, they want confident um, and they want you to just go for it. And I'm like, and I never actually followed through on this advice. Really? Not really. I mean, all the girls I had crushes on, those were all very complicated um, circumstances. And it. I never had a, I had one girlfriend in high school for three weeks. But other than that, I had no such luck anywhere else. And now I'm looking back at this in retrospect. I was like, what's wrong with you? Well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, I think the... The takeaway that um, if you are going to be a pursuer in a relationship, um, like this movie is about a lot of hetero relationships, but if you're going to be a pursuer in any kind of relationship, I think 
it's not necessarily about the persistence of somebody says no, keep going. It's about putting yourself out there and saying, no, I'm willing to be vulnerable and let you know how I feel. And doing it in such a way where it's like, whatever you say is fine with me. Mm -hmm. But I want to let you know that I'm out on a limb here telling you that I like you. Yeah. And and saying, again, this movie has a, an immature 13-year-old saying, I love you. And that's not what you want to lead with most of the time. But it also has a gosling who exudes that kind of confidence to the point where he he does it mainly because he doesn't have to worry about getting vulnerable afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a middle ground that should be reached where you care enough to put yourself out on a limb for someone if you're looking for an actual true relationship. Yeah, and I think ultimately it's just about reading the room. And like what's painful about the 13-year-old is like, dude, read the room. <laughs> like this is <laughs> you know, like you're openly acknowledging that this is this kind of persistence is kind of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas other relationships that persistence is welcome. And for me, persistence is what was the ultimate thing that got me married. Right, but the the persistence wasn't something that was uninvited. Right. Right, which I think is important because I think... It's, it's a reciprocal thing, whereas yeah. Sarah just kind of had this indication of like, look, <laughs> and she wasn't, she wasn't leading me on, but there was something about our friendship where it was basically like, not right now. <laughs> there was just this kind of sense of like, no, I'm going to keep chasing you. And eventually it worked out. Right. Which from, is, but from your perspective, what did it look like? No, it did was, I look like a loser just waiting for her? I think I think as like if, if we're ever lucky enough to have any young men listening to this podcast, I think it's a good lesson to learn that there is a difference between someone saying, hey, look, I do maybe have feelings for you, but I can't act on those right now for X reasons. And you still making yourself available for a while, but then, you know, healthily being like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me if you're putting too much of your heart out there and you're getting nothing in return. In the same way, you can put as much of yourself out there. And if somebody like turns you down and says no, there is a point in time where you draw back. I think for you and Sarah, looking from the outside, um, there was a point in time where you put yourself out on a limb and she was like, maybe not now, maybe though. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, not now. And then you're like, okay, fine. I'm going to go do my own thing for a while. And it wasn't until later on when that situation changed that you started pursuing it. Oh, and there's some circumstances where there's some other girls around and then Sarah's like, oh, 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 I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, th- I think, in the realm of Steve Carell, then, because we've we've fully established what Robbie is like, fully established what Gosling's arc is. What is Steve Carell's? Um, it's about ultimately what we see him is kind of finding his confidence, but also finding his flaws that come with that confidence. Um, but then confronting his wife and saying, "I should have fought for you. I should have fought for us," um, because. All of the first act of the movie is him waffling and saying, I'll sign whatever you want. Just please stop talking about it. And he's just giving up and not not trying and, and I think falling on his sword. We, we don't get this in earlier in the relationship. And it's not even really talked about. But Steve Carell, we, we have to imagine that 
as far as quote unquote fighting for the relationship, um, that's an everyday, it's not so dramatic as all that, but that's an everyday instance in a relationship where you are putting effort into not only making it a romantic relationship, if that's the kind of relationship you're in, but a friendship relationship. And you, you have to imagine that Julianne Moore was putting in more of that mm-hmm. and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I think his arc is in saying romance is not only important, but it, it like your own self image kind of shapes who you are. And we don't understand why Steve Carell went down this way or why Julianne Moore didn't talk to him about it, but we just know that it happened and, and it landed them where we find them at the beginning of the film. I want to take this opportunity and say to people in relationships, older ones, you have to be vigilant about your love life. You have to be vigilant about your romance. And I'm now finally understanding that cliche of like, oh, I never want to get married. I'm like, I now understand why you never wanted to be married in, in, in one of those instances in the sense that it does become routine it does become a little stale and this could happen to people who aren't married, who just move in together and just kind of have their individual Mm -hmm. lives just kind of in this uh, container in this bubble together. Well, you know how it says like it takes a village to uh, raise a child. Mm -hmm. I think that's true about relationships as well, where like if, if your life becomes just about this tiny bubble, which I mean, (laughs) it's 20, well, it's 2021 now, but it's been 2020 for a while. Like that bubble can feel small if you make that just what your life is, is the same routine thing. Like they're talking about their dessert and their meal at the beginning of the meal. And she's like, he's like, I shouldn't have eaten so much bread. You were right. And it's obvious that they've had the same conversation over and over and over again. And it's not enough to like, it's not enough to just do that. You have to grow and change as people. But it's not enough that they're getting their alone time together, which is also very crucial. Yeah. But just going and having dinner is is not romance then and there. Mm-hmm. You got to pursue that person. Right. And he really learns pursuit because right. like he, the yeah. first person he dates, like he tells the story about him talking to his dad about the first person he dates is Julianne Moore. And he's like, oh, I'm going to date a bunch of people. And he never dates any of them. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's basically batting a hundred. He's batting a thousand. Yeah. I guess if we're being true to baseball terms, he's batting a thousand and you can see how he got to the point of just being like, oh, no, I, I got the person I was supposed to get. I don't need to do anything else. Not in a malevolent way and not in a sleazy way or like a user kind of way, just in a way where it's like, of course, you would kind of become lazy if you don't have any other experience outside of that. Yeah. And I think the beautiful takeaway from their story is he learned how to pursue women. And he can make it Julianne Moore. Now, the movie doesn't end with them, like, totally reconciling. But for me, my takeaway was that they will end up together. Yes, I I think so as well. And the last shot of the movie is actually Robbie seeing the two of them and smiling. Yeah. And, like, the movie wasn't mostly about Robbie or anything. But it's just, like, when a kid is as mature as Robbie is and he sees those two left standing there laughing at each other and having good moments i feel safe um i'm gonna ask this now before i forget okay is there any way that you and robin can come over sometime in a few weeks and watch theo so sarah and i can go on a date <laughs> of course Wasn't I, that i'm gonna do this on the podcast so i can trap you into saying yes well i mean 
Okay, uh, please, for backstory here, um, Ryan, one of the gifts that- No, we... we're not cashing that in yet. What? I don't want you to do anything to the house. I just want you to hang out with Theo for like an hour and a half. Just just, just, just that. All I don't want any- That's Are you guys going to be upstairs? No, we're going <laughs> to- This is the problem. Are we going to hear you guys no. doing it? This is the problem, is that we want to go on a date. I, I, I realized watching this movie that I was like, man, I haven't been on a date with Sarah for so long. We've been stuck in like- this 10-month quarantine for, for how long? Mm-hmm. 10 months. Uh, but we also have this baby, and it's winter. Of course we'll do that. Okay. Uh, we, I mean, we have offered quite a few times. But but We love the O. It sucks having no, nowhere to, like, when you've got a kid, it's really hard to have a date night in quarantine where you can't go to a restaurant <laughs> like so i think we're gonna go I'm to imagining theo in a maitre d's outfit <laughs> <laughs> i think we're gonna go to the same place in beaverton the bibbit mop place um and where they i think they got heat lamps now yeah but it just the movie reminded me and i was relating to cal so much throughout the movie i was like mm. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, i'm too much like him and it reminded me You've got to be vigilant about your relationship. So I really want to take Sarah on a romantic night. You're like Alastor Moody right now. Always vigilance. Constant vigilance. You really, and that's what's fun about being married is that it's only stale if you let it be stale. Right. And that doesn't mean that a relationship is without its challenges, even if you're trying all the time. But oh man, yeah. At the same time, the the beauty of this couple that we see, Julianne Moore and and Michael Scott, yeah, (laughs) is that. They do know each other and not only know each other, but love each other so well. And I think that's most emblematic in the scene where he's been taking care of their house in the backyard Mm -hmm. and it's the middle of the night and she just goes into a room and calls him and pretends to be needing something from him. Mm -hmm. And he sees that she's lying and he sees that she just misses him. Mm -hmm. And it's so quietly romantic. And Robin said this and I completely agree. I think it's one of the most romantic scenes in a rom-com. Yeah. And it's just a husband watching his wife kind of love him from afar through a window and him loving her right back by acquiescing. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Well, Ryan, this is a great movie and I'm sure, I'm just positive that you have a rom-com Oscar for it. Okay, everybody. My name is Ryan and I'm here to say I've got a rom-com Oscar to give away. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I can do this. Best ensemble. I mean, you gave it to Notting Hill. That was our first Oscar. But this is a truer ensemble because that in Notting Hill was two leads and a chorus. So can we shift that one to like best B characters? That one's best chorus. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they were all Greek and they were wearing robes and stuff. Yeah. But their subplots were so, so sub that Mm -hmm. it had no bearing on the story. It was just flavor Mm -hmm. this the ensemble are all interconnected and interlocked and not in a stupid way where it's like (laughs) like valentine's day yeah is the absolute worst version of this this one almost wants you to like the fact that everybody's connected isn't a magical fate it's almost an inconvenience yeah which is really what problems should be for your like if anything is um is fate it should be an inconvenience for your characters which this is so valentine's day i feel like they crafted all these characters and were just like 
digging their heels and figuring out like how can we take this character and connect it to this character it's like maybe so this naked boy with the guitar is also friends with Ashton Kutcher and they're just forcing all these connections where I feel like the writer of this movie was like okay I'm gonna start with Cal he's got a wife so what's her story okay he's got a son what's his story Um, he's got a daughter. What's her story? He meets this guy, and, and he just—it's organic. It reminds me a lot of Family Stone, where each yeah. of these characters seem—and it—it's not as in depth with each of the characters as Family Stone is. But each of these characters, even David Lindhagen, is given like their inner life. Yeah, and like I mean, speaking of Family Stone, we didn't even talk about this in our trope talk, but the fight that happens is kind of akin to like a family stone-esque fight where all of the information is revealed during this fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to shout out one of our faves. Good fight. Um, So yeah, best ensemble. Best ensemble. I'm going to give this best nightstand. Best nightstand. Okay. Um, That's a great nightstand you got there. So this one night, it's not a one night stand, but um, it could potentially have become one between Uh um, the baby goose and, and the lady stone. And they, it ends up being that, that perfect moment that you have with someone who becomes special to you, where you stay up all night talking. And I've had this with multiple people, but my favorite being with Robin, where like the first night that we spent together um, started at 6.30 and ended at, we didn't sleep but for maybe half an hour and it ended at I think 10 a.m. the next morning when I dropped her off at her car Mm -hmm. and it was just like a deep dive of get to know you Mm. and I I don't think in a movie that we've seen mate like the other one that it made me think of is it's like if you stretch that whole night out into one night it would have been before sunrise yeah um, but as far as like just a scene in a rom-com, I'm, I'm giving it best nightstand. Uh, so Sarah had her place. We had our place. Mm-hmm. Um, she- Sarah's place, which is, I can literally see from mine and Robin's apartment right now. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so she lived what? 15 blocks away from our place. Yeah. And so a lot of nights would go where we'd hang out, have dinner, talk, um, some kissing would happen, <laughs> but <laughs> gross. Hey, hold on, audience. Make sure that you put put the kids to bed. Plug your they... ears. Uh, but we had like a rule where it's like, well, you know, Sarah needs to go home at some point. And there were a few nights where we we cheated and she just slept in the bed. But, Naughty. But we were we just were like, well, we're gonna be classic christians about this and save the sex for marriage but it was one of those things where i did not do that but but it was one of those (laughs) things where it felt it really did feel naughty that she was gonna sleep in my bed and we're right but but the reason why we were cheating that night was like look i just want to keep talking to you right it's like three in the morning and i don't want to take you home and walk you home I, i think it would just be nice if we could just keep talking until we fall asleep there is a um regency era me that longs to rewrite my history like mm-hmm. that because I'm just like, ah, oh, one of my favorite things is like courting and writing letters and saving everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really admire you guys for that, even though it's, you know, not the, the choice that I made with my current wife. 
Well, I also just hated one of the great things about wanting to be married was a that, but b that idea of like, I can't wait until I don't have to walk her home anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like I was just waiting for that. I was like, it's so inconvenient that you don't live with me. <laughs> oh, I also said my current wife, uh, Robin. I just met my wife. My wife. My wife. Thank you, uh, Ryan. I, that's why you're my friend. <laughs> we we gave Oscars. Um, I'm going to go a little out of order because I forgot I had a quibble and I wanted to work out the quibble. A so, quibble? W- um, would you want to rewrite the movie? I would. I'm going to rewrite the movie. Okay. You write your first draft with your heart, and you rewrite with your head. I said previously that this movie is a great movie, but it doesn't go into the halls of the Notting Hills and the Family Stones Why is and that? the Something God is Gives. And I think it's mostly because the movie plays really well broadly, and it's deep, but if it didn't play so broadly, it could have gone deeper. And I would have preferred a movie that gotten a little deeper. Where would you have made it deeper? I would have subtracted... The babysitter. Really? That's not where you would have gone deeper. No, no. Because That's I not, think sorry, <laughs> oh, God. not like that. I think the heart of the film is Cal and his wife. Yeah. And I think if they just stayed focused on that, like I really like his son, um, but it could have been one of those things where it was just the they just had two daughters. One was really young, and we just figured their daughter was their only daughter and we you still could have done the twist with Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. But just make it two hours and don't have any time devoted to the babysitter stuff and just go even farther and further with what it what it what the experience of Cal and Julianne Moore's marriages. Because I think there was more to be done with. And I think we all got the characters on like medium setting. Mm-hmm. And it would have been nice if we can have all the characters go on like hot, like whatever setting I'm on. Like just See, fully I, cooked. I'm going to hear you and I'm going to raise you. Okay. okay. Because um, I agree that this, this I think part of what makes this movie most fun is that they don't go there. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like my family stones for my family stones and I like this movie for this movie. But if it did go there, I would want to do what you said, which was like invest just a little bit more in uh, Julianne Moore and Steve Carell's relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think I would have also gotten a little bit more into Jessica's psyche. Yeah. And like have her had like, like I really would have liked getting to know her. Like perhaps we write that she had liked this boy at school or something uh, or she gets made fun of at school and she never has like it's not easy for her to talk to other people her age Mm -hmm. and that's why this person feels so comfortable because he's always nice and he's always like you know it's really easy for her to talk to him because they can like talk about their kids and there's an inroad and she just has a really hard time doing that at school kind of like how they do their friendship with the in enough said with the girl's friend who wants to keep talking to to the mom and there's like reasonings right and so we could see why she kind of got a crush on steve carell because she was really nerdy and enclosed at school and just like didn't have friends for some reason. Mm-hmm. And this was like the one safe place that 
was not her home. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of glad it didn't go there. But if I was going to add to the depth, I think that's one of the things I would have added. But also this movie, as it is currently, I would give it an A minus because everyone gets their due justice as characters. Oh, I'm going to give this an A for sure. An A means nothing can. No, that's an A plus, my friend we weren't allowed to have a pluses in our school Did really pl- yeah yeah we had a pluses really yeah that's that's called 100 percent. that's an a plus yeah oh i thought a is so just 100 90 to 93 is a minus 93 to 99.9 is an a okay on my scale okay maybe i should get a numerical <laughs> one through ten this is a nine okay nine times nine times and it could have been a ten if it did what I what I what I told it to, but it didn't do what I said. It's it's a it's an LA nine and a Scranton ten, <laughs> but that but that's why. Yeah. Oh, I'm speaking of which, did you notice Julianne Moore's uh, nameplate? No, it says associate to the vice president. Oh right, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's right. That's why Valentine's Day gets like a three, mm-hmm. is because there's twice as many characters with half as much character development. Yeah, it's butter spread over tooth, butter spread too thin over blood. Butter bread thing. Yeah, whatever, whatever Bilbo take says. Take it away, Bilbo. I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. Uh, but those characters were drawn so thinly in Valentine's Day, and it's like with the uh crazy stupid love Mm -hmm. we have this number of characters two hours and just at two hours we are just getting enough for it to be satisfying Uh but i feel like valentine's day is like 90 minutes and doesn't get anything is valentine's day i think valentine's day is like two and a half hours oh is it not i don't know i Uh, i I don't care i'm I'm okay not thinking about it i don't want to revisit um but that's that's my quibble well hey i i'm Hey, I'm here for a quibble, and sometimes when we fall in love with people, we still have quibbles with them every once in a while. So who would you like to have quibbles with in this movie? (laughs) Who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. (laughs) But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, and love, and love you. I know. Not Emma Stone. Sorry, Emma Stone. But lawyer. Why? Lawyer. What? Just because she's a lawyer? I, I, I don't think we'd have that much fun, honestly. Sarah would make a good lawyer. Anyway, continue with would what you're she... saying. Yeah, I think she would. She's too fair a person. Yeah, you were right. We we want less fair people in our justice system. I'm just saying that's how it is, man. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, Julianne Moore. It's pretty close. Mm. Ryan Gosling. I uh, I'd be intimidated. He's very rich. He is rather rich, but I'm not marrying him. I'm loving him, so I don't know if I'd get any stuff. <laughs> For better or for worse, man. Not the babysitter, because... Sorry, babysitter. You're very interesting looking, but... Uh-huh. So I'm going with Emma Stone's friend. Not Steve Carell? <laughs> no, because he's too much like me. <laughs> Emma Stone's friend. Tell me about Emma Stone's friend. She's just 
really snarky uh-huh. and just she shits on Josh Groban, <laughs> rightfully so. Yep, I think she sees things how they are and is going to have a good time out of it. I love when when they're having their lawyer repartee when Ryan Gosling first shows up to the table. Yeah, and, and she says, <laughs> "I mean, there's lots of beautiful women in this bar, your friend included." Hi, I love you. She she has a maybe kind of feeling to me yeah, from Arrested like, Development. Marry me. Marry me. Yeah, yeah, so... She's pretty cool. Thanks, girl. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go... So I was thinking a lot about this because Julianne Moore, super cool. I think Steve Carell is really nice, but he... he he's he's kind of dweeby. Mm-hmm. And that that's not saying that I wouldn't fall for a dweeb because sometimes Robin's a dweeb, to be honest. But I think I like... I like Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. I like how interested she is in a situation and how vulnerably honest she is when she's drunk. I like that she kind of holds a grudge but gets over it at some point in time, we have to assume. Like I, I just like how she I like how she is. Mm-hmm. And she's super, super pretty. I'm down with the stone. <laughs> I'm down with making her my family stone. Tell Robin. Um Robin knows. But Baby Goose is a, it's just a, such a close second. Baby Goose, you know, when you put it that way, he is much more endearing. So I don't know. He's my second. Okay. Baby Goose, man. Okay. Well, uh, we need to pick a movie for next week. We do. We need to pick a movie that will not top this one. And you know what, Ryan? Because you gave me the honor last week, I'm going to doff my cap at <gasps> you, sir, and say, have at it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Take off the headphones. All right. He's walking over. He's getting excited. He's doing like a little Fred Flintstone dance. He's taking off his shirt. Ryan, stop, stop, oh, stop. Oh, this is how I pick my movies. I have to pick my movies naked. There's so many options. Um, can you help me narrow it down? Yeah. Um, so we had a pretty good feel-good movie here. Yeah. Um, but it was it was new. It, it Like this is 2011. Give me something before 2000. Before the year 2000. Before the year 2000. Okay. Okay. That kind of narrows it down. Oh, I would even say, like, go past 1960. Oh, I see. I see. Now he's cracking his back. Okay. Now he's cracking his butt. Humble brag. Um, Decalogue. Yeah. We, we don't want to do a drama. No, but I, can I throw out a suggestion just because I just thought of it? Yeah. How would you feel about doing Philadelphia Story? I watched pretty recently. Oh, fine. I know. That's what I was thinking. Um, that just means you're that much better at talking about it. Okay. And I'm going to raise you a Catherine Hepburn. Oh, wait, wait. Can I guess? Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Is it zany or not? Zany. Is it bringing up baby? It is bringing up baby. Because there's either that or Adam's rib. All right. Bringing up baby. Well, you look perfectly idiotic in those clothes. These aren't my clothes. Well, where are your clothes? I've lost my clothes. Well, why are you wearing these clothes? 
Because I just went gay all of a sudden. So bringing up baby uh, Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, the zany comedy starring a leopard. Um, and we're going to be able to talk like film stuff about this too, because they did a lot of interesting stuff with the leopard. Oh yeah. We were so heated last week that I think we forgot to tell people how to contact us. So I want to make sure we do that here. Right. Um, oops, some planes, but see with you. Oops. Uh, oh, oops. oops. I know our relationship is strong. Oops. <laughs> Let's see if people want to email us and tell us that they also love the baby goose, uh, second, if not the most of all, you can feel free to reach out to us on, at romcomgents at gmail.com or you can find us. You can just sneak through the internet and just be like, Ooh, what's over here? Oh, romcom gents. They're on Instagram. What? Romcom gents on Facebook too. What? 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 Wow. It's so cool. Past all the vitriolic stuff to find something warm and loving and tasty. Yeah, mm. that's right. The it's tasty. Can be warm. We make love muffins. Come on down. Uh, hey, that reminds me. I need some of that gluten-free banana bread. Oh, man. You know what I have at home that I'm going to bring you? Gluten-free banana pumpkin muffins. Yeah. Bringing them on home. I'm going to throw them in your mouth from like across the room. Cool. Um, Yeah. uh, Let us know how you feel. Oh, you know what? We have a couple letters to read. So uh, let's throw that in real quick. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you brought me off. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. These were more uh, a comment than 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 a really long letter. But Graham Erickson uh, wanted to let us know. Super fun show, guys. Uh, this was about uh, that, that, that thing you do. That thing you do. Which, hey, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it because it's a super fun show. Uh, you did the movie Justice. I could tell you, uh, I could tell it's a special one for both of you. I've probably watched it 20 times, but I still learned some things from your pod. Thanks for putting it out there. Well, hey, thank you, Graham. Thanks, That's so Graham. nice. Say, um, da- say hi to Danny. You know, he, he wanted us to talk a little bit about the L.A. hotel scene. Um, do you know which hotel that is? I'm sure you meant the, the final kiss scene. Yeah, the, the final. Hotel? Yeah. Do, you, do you know which hotel that is? Um... No. Me neither. I, I Have you ever stayed in any LA hotels? E, no. I stayed at an Airbnb. Oh, nice. Uh, that's probably the smart choice. Uh, in I, Hollywood. I only got to stay at one hotel in Hollywood, and it was the Roosevelt. Um, that was at that same AFI Fest that we referenced yeah. last week. Great hotel. But this one looked classy. I'd like to go to yeah, whatever hotel they sure. were in. Um, and then our other one was from good friend of the pod, Stephen Moore. He says that he woke up with that thing you do stuck in his head and he has a feeling uh, that it will last all day and he blames and thanks us. Oh, good. Uh, But he wanted to say that he's loving us lots and lots. I love it. I love how many people love that thing you do. It's just such a cool thing. Was, I was really surprised that people were like liking and commenting on the Instagram post. I'm like, okay, okay good. I, I wasn't sure. I yeah, want to yeah. make sure that you guys liked it. I think that means that we'll bring back the not quite a rom-com segment again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Ryan, I, uh, I'm going to stand back from my mic just a little bit. And I'm going to say, I love you. Go ahead. I'm, I'm waiting. I got my arms up in the air. Run. Run and jump. Oh, you want me to... Yeah. to um, okay, here I go. Ready? I'm so glad I'm drunk. And... Oh! I love you. Well, he's not conscious, but he's still in love. And I say I love you too. Ow. <clears throat> and this is where we will say oh, goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review.
gentleman's guide. To rom-coms, 